0: Hello, welcome back to the Drinking Liberally podcast, the show that combines good alcohol with some friendly political banter. I'm your host, Kevin Wilson, and here to talk some news over brews, making sure I don't drink alone, is my buddy, Jeff Fenner.
1: How's everybody doing?
0: Jeff, welcome back. It's been a been a while for both of us, huh? We're back after yes. uh, almost a month-long hiatus. We, we just really needed that time to grieve the Trump acquittal. Um, (laughs) but uh we've
1: had some we've had some changes exciting and uh we're back season two
0: yeah season two electric boogaloo let's do this so (laughs) i moved to boston with my wife so honestly took a little bit of time to get settled but we're up and running again coming at you from you know not one but two major metropolitan areas so all that said it means uh good stuff on the horizon for the show and I think we'll need it going into 2020. This is going to be a shit show.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you move, you moved for the people. It was nice of you. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to make sure we were giving a, a balanced view. It wasn't just the New York metropolitan area that was being represented. You wanted to make sure we had the Northeast covered. And uh, I respect your, your uh, what you did here. I respect your sacrifice. And uh, it was for the people
0: yeah it's always for the people it's the that's all i care about <laughs> and, uh, it is you know i'm still up in the blue northeast i'm in massachusetts but i am in a relatively red area right now as i've come to realize from just talking to the people around me so yes you are hopefully we'll get some uh very good content out of that uh as we progress and i make some new friends and hopefully change some minds or maybe they'll open up my mind um uh, you know, might see me and in a, we, mag, a MAGA hat come uh, November.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate everybody uh, hanging in there with us while we took our, a little break, uh, tried to get things situated. And uh, I think we got figure it figured out, and we should be coming back at you weekly with the ability to do, you know, a little bit more rapid reactions now if, if need be.
0: Yeah, we've got a brand-new remote uh, potting set up, so this can going to be great. And speaking of, you know, people sticking around, uh, Jeff I uh, couldn't let us go any further without saying, first and foremost, happy anniversary! We've been doing this over a year now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got the um, I got a picture sent to me through like one of those what happened last year, and it was uh, me and you in the bar here in Jersey City taking pictures, and it was uh, a couple maybe like a week ago um, when we actually started really talking about this and brainstorming that you know drinking we love, and yep. uh, politics we love maybe more then than we do now because uh, we we're still a little bit bright-eyed and bushy tail at that point and not beaten down by this administration um but that's that idea came together over a beer and we're here sharing a beer again
0: yeah and super excited about it uh doing this you know virtually remotely but it's good to good to see your face over over skype as it is uh, not that face so be happy <laughs> this is a an audio medium and not a visual one listeners uh <laughs> But, you know, we've been on the air for a year now, and we've had some bumps, but I'm really excited to see what the next year takes us. But before we jump into everything, I just really wanted to say thank you to everyone that tunes in regularly, uh, those of you that send you feedback that's invaluable, those of you that follow us on social media and don't get to listen to us as often as you want. I mean, shame on you, first of all, but I get it. Uh, no, we truly appreciate everyone that takes time out of their very busy day and very busy podcast listening schedules to include us in that so you've all made this worth it and we are truly appreciative so here's to another fantastic year ahead
1: yeah we plan on bringing you guys some great stuff in this next year it's going to be a wild ride hopefully with a great ending um come november Uh, but either way we'll be here to walk you through it talk you through the the issues and what's going on and uh give you our opinions on on where things are moving
0: or we drink ourselves into oblivion come November. So either one, stay <laughs> tuned. It's it's gonna be a good time. So we got another another
1: guest with us right now.
0: We do. Joining us on our third mic sitting silently and patiently is our man from the soundboards, Yogs.
1: Hey guys, how are
2: you doing? That was real sweet, that uh anniversary message that you guys uh, said to each other back and forth. That was really, really nice. So uh congrats guys, it's well deserved. But it was maybe you guys will give each other roses too on the next uh,
0: I to say anniversary we did already?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, you, guys
2: just, you guys deserve it. Great job. And uh, it's always fun to be on with you guys.
0: Yeah, happy to have you here, man. All right, let's kick off season two then with our very first beer of the season. And that is the Mind Haze from Firestone Walker Brewing Company out of California. Now, this is uh, apropos, now that I'm, I guess, a New Englander. It is a New England IPA. And from the brewery Sell itself, <laughs> from the brewery itself, uh, they describe this uh, with the following tagline from the coast of California comes mind haze, a free spirited beer made to elevate your perceptions, juicy yet balanced, hazy yet lasting and loaded with an imaginative array of tropical hot flavors. And that's some uh, that's some lofty lofty flowery language right there but i i think it holds up this is a a pretty good new england ipa it's 6.2 percent alcohol by volume made out of a cashmere hops which is where you're getting a a lot of the fruity aroma on the nose for this particular beer now that aroma isn't too overpowering which i really like and then uh you pour this out you get a, a hazy faint gold and the other hops in this, you got some Mosaic and Dorado hops, really add a tangy, juicy flavor to the beer that you want from a New England IPA. That's typically how it goes. But um, what I find interesting about this is that it's a very easily drinkable IPA. I feel like they've added in a little bit of that West Coast IPA style, so it's pretty balanced uh, between the two. And really, really enjoying this beer right now. So, again, super drinkable. Uh, I I do enjoy the can is kind of keeping in theme with the Mind Haze name. It's kind of got this hazy, cloudy, blue, pink, pastel artwork to it that, uh, you know, if you're in a haze, I think this is what you would see. And after a few of these beers, you might be. I really enjoy this tagline. They've got the top of the can. And this really should have been the tagline of our show. And it's uh, Beer Before Glory. I really like that. (laughs) Nice. So we're going to pour another one of those and jump into the week's topics. So again, that's the Mine Haze from Firestone Walker Brewing Company out of California. Getting us through what's been a crazy, crazy few weeks that we're going to talk about now. So... We have to talk about what's been going on, the debates, the primaries. We're, you know, we're through Iowa. We're through New Hampshire and Nevada. We've got the 10th debate coming by the time this episode drops. That'll be in Charleston, South Carolina. And then we're just sitting primary after primary for the next you know week and a half, including Super Tuesday. So lots been going on in that world. And I guess I just want to kick this off uh, before we get to our thoughts by saying caucuses are the dumbest idea in the world and i am so happy that they got so screwed up in both states that we're, we've probably seen the last of them
1: yeah i think this um this definitely changes the format going forward it's been an absolute clusterfuck and in a time that i think we can all agree we couldn't afford a clusterfuck um it's taken a lot of the attention off where it should be um and it's it's frustrating it's frustrating to watch because this is you know, not to be overdramatic, but maybe the most important time in terms of the Democratic Party of our lifetimes, for sure. Uh, I don't it, want to talk yeah. about the 50s and 60s. I wasn't there, but uh, this is big. Of and, our
0: lifetime, for sure. And yeah. you're right, though. It, it sends a weird message to voters because Democrats have been hammering Trump on being, you know, a inept politician, inept leader. And then we have a bunch of inept people developing apps that fail just to count simple votes. Um, yeah. so yeah, that, that just doesn't do them any favors, but you know, we did have other you know primaries. We had New Hampshire, which is a actual primary state. We'll have uh, South Carolina coming up where I think are a lot more democratic in nature. I don't think caucuses are democratic by their style. It really, it right. leaves out a lot of working people who can't afford to spend hours in an evening standing around a local gym. So I'm excited to see hopefully the death of the caucus system and just move straight to a primary system for the next go around. But let's talk about some of the results of these caucuses and primaries. We've got Bernie Sanders kind of emerging as the front runner right now, won the popular vote in Iowa, um, which still hasn't announced a formal winner. He was, (laughs) he was trailed by Pete Buttigieg over there. Uh, Bernie kind of ran away with New Hampshire, which we were all expecting. That's kind of in his backyard there. And then ended up winning in Nevada, too. So right now, Bernie Sanders is leading. That all said, the delegate count is so close that we're really early. And it's going to be Super Tuesday before we see who the most viable candidate is right now.
1: I actually was ready to come in here and change who I was supporting and and do a little peep soliloquy to, to write off his candidacy. And then I stumbled upon the fact that uh, Barack Obama didn't win one of these things until like the 12th or 11th state. Um, so I, I pulled back on that. Um, it's really early. I think you made a great point there. Um, obviously, you know, Bernie's winning when he should. Um, but I think we all need to just kind of tap the brakes here a little bit. It's It's super early in this process um i think we do need to thin the herd a little bit but uh, i just can't stress enough doing the research on this it's we're we're nowhere near finding out who's going to be the candidate at this point
0: yeah not at this point but hey my probably uh two episodes from now we're gonna know pretty well because by march 3rd that's super tuesday we've got a number of states going i think uh, a dozen states or more actually um, all voting on the same day in primaries, and that should give us a pretty good idea. And Jeff, you're right. It's you know I'm not a Pete fan myself, but I I don't blame you for not abandoning him right now because Aya was such a disaster that I think it gave every candidate a reason to say that doesn't count. And let's see what happens next. Um, Nevada, he came in you know a close second there, so I feel like he's doing all right. And I I think think tenable right now.
1: I think the Iowa thing being such a mess actually hurts him a little bit because he did so well there, Um, which we kind of saw. I mean, he had boots on the ground there. Uh, I think they really focused it on that. I think he got hurt a little bit because I do think he either came out at the winter, tied somewhere really, really close, uh, which no one could have predicted going in. Um, And and again, not to make this a P thing, but for everybody, we don't know. Um, You know, we can go into South Carolina, Biden can – Destroy everybody like uh, Bernie did in Nevada, and now we're all standing here going, "Oh, wide open again."
0: Yeah, um, that's true. And and you know, Yogs, you've been uh, the big Biden guy, maybe not supporter, but you've been putting him uh, first and foremost in this race since you know day one. Um, you still feeling confident that he's gonna pull it out in South Carolina?
2: Well, I'll put a caveat to that. A lot of that changed after the. Summer or, or fall winter of uh, Hunter Biden and all that stuff, because I think that did damage Biden a lot. Um, Democrats started seeing, hey, we don't want to deal with this Hunter Biden thing during, you know, the entire election process. And maybe I need to look at another candidate, all that. And I think it opened the door for other people. And, you know, and there's other factors too, the Bernie surge and and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't know what to make of Biden anymore. I think he's got a money problem. I think the right now is. Everyone's trying to get that jump right now just so they can get donors. There's not too much money out there for everybody. You know, Bernie's doing okay. Bloomberg has his own. But for everybody else, you know, it's cash. What can I do? What can I get? What can I get? And Biden's been suffering in that for a while. Warren was until she just had a great week this week. Um, So I don't know about Biden just yet. One thing I'll say with, with Pete and with the idea of it's early and all that stuff I think we're going a lot on speculating what voters are going to vote with who. So I think a lot of people are eliminating Pete, basically thinking he, he's not getting any black votes or any minority votes. So he's not going to make that jump. But you're right. We don't know. He could go into South Carolina and maybe make a statement there. If he gets a decent minority vote that shows at least it's trending upwards, Pete could skyrocket right back up there. So um, I think Biden will win South Carolina, but I don't think he's going to blow the field away or do anything like that um he got that Clyburn endorsement which he had to have if he didn't have that he might as well have just shut his campaign down so th- yeah that was his that. to lose for sure that was his to lose yeah so he got that um but yeah I-, I honestly don't know about biden anymore um i think he's done personally today but like you guys say it's early and Je- jeff's right south carolina he could you know have a great showing and everyone's pumping money his way again so
0: so you make a good point about money there yags so a lot of uh, reports have come out saying that a number of these campaigns were pretty strapped for cash going into uh, Nevada. So we saw um, Pete's campaign, Warren's campaign, Biden's campaign all were getting down to, you know, the single low digit millions, which still sounds like a lot of money, but really isn't in the grand scheme of a campaign. Um, but some of them have seen some pretty good fundraising numbers. I'd say, um, you know, Bernie's continued his fantastic fundraising. Uh, Warren, after the Las Vegas debates, saw a huge surge in fundraising. We'll talk about why Massive. that is in, uh, yeah. in a little bit.
1: She but, allowed uh, herself and, to take the money. and She promised she wouldn't.
0: Yeah, so, it's great. And no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about Super PAC money here, Jeff. <laughs> We're talking about individual donors. Um, uh uh-huh. I know yeah. you're the Pete guy and yes, I'm not listen, I I gave your guy credit. He's doing well. He's still hanging in there. Um I think right now it's going to be a very interesting uh debate in South Carolina and more so interesting actual primary later in the week. Can we uh can yeah. we can we get to the
1: juice of this debate, the, the Bloomberg debacle?
0: Yes, let's talk about this. Um, my God. So Mike Bloomberg shows up to his very first Democratic debate, gets on stage with the other frontrunners um, in Las Vegas, and immediately gets eviscerated by Elizabeth Warren in opening statements. And it really just set the tone for his performance for the rest of the debate. And it was astounding because, you know, Warren hits him on his previous comments calling women horse-faced lesbians and things like that. And, um, you know, his history of having these NDAs signed um, to hide allegations of sexual harassment and discrimination in the workplace, which might not be from him personally, but were under his company, so people rightfully are asking, you know, did you know about this? What have you done to prevent it? And why did you make them sign NDAs? And so when he got hit on this, you know, his response was just God awful. Uh, Not even worth having a response. He might as well have just kept
2: his mouth shut. I think he'd be better off. I I wonder if he wasn't expecting it you think he was expecting Oh, me? stop.
0: Like how could he not? That's well, wild. Well, I had a theory. Like, it's all the, the it's all the news organizations were talking about for the two weeks running up to the debate was these are the topics that the rest of the candidates are going to hit Bloomberg on. Correct. So if he right. walked the in there and was not prepared, that's totally on him and his campaign. He should fire whoever his campaign manager oh, yeah. is because I he totally was not agree. prepped at all.
2: I totally agree with all that. Everything you said is 100% true, but one thing I'll say for him is I think he was so Prepare, not prepare because he was prepared for nothing. But I think on his mind, stop and frisk was what he thought these guys are going to hit me with, and yes. I didn't think he expected the NDAs to come out the way they did. The way Warren got him on that, I think he was just like, oh, just stop and frisk is my thing that I have to fix. I have to fix stop and frisk, stop and frisk. And he adequately didn't prepare for anything. But he when he got hit with that Warren punch, I think he was just done. He had no he didn't know what to do.
1: Let me uh, so two things on that. I. I think you're right. I think that, you know, he's coming into this and he's just all he's doing is spending money. Right. And I don't know that. I mean, we go back to the fact that he was using uh, prisoners to make calls for him. Um, he's definitely like any billionaire that we've talked about is not in touch with what's important in this. Um, but everyone from his campaign prep should be fired uh, immediately because there's no shot this wasn't coming up. So that's crazy. A Um, And one thing I'll give Elizabeth Warren a lot of credit for, and I think her and Pete are the two people on the stage that are really good at this. I don't think Elizabeth Warren came in with that entire attack scripted. I think once she got a little sniff that it was going to work, she hammered it. Um, I do think Elizabeth and Pete are the two best on the stage of rolling with the punches as to where they don't need everything to hit the script the way it's going. They can either defend themselves really well off script or they can grab something and run with it better than anybody there. Um, Bernie, uh, Biden, uh, Amy especially, um, and Bloomberg, I think if it goes off what their their prep people told them was going to be the topics, they really struggle a little bit to kind of either really jump on something that's going to support their campaign or roll with the punches against them. Um, I'm really impressed with Elizabeth and Pete how they can do both. Uh, they're they're nimble in the ring. They're they're able to take punches and throw them um, off script, and I think that's a big deal going forward in these debates.
0: Yeah, I they are by far the two best uh, debaters, like just in a you know high school debate club, who's best on stage yeah. style by far. Um,
1: they also might be the two smartest
0: people on the stage, which <laughs> helps a little bit. I'll agree with that <laughs> yeah. too. I, I, Warren's I, the
2: best politician of everyone. I, well, you
0: know I'm not going to
2: disagree with that because <laughs> um, it's true. I mean, she is.
0: <laughs> but here's the thing: now, Mike Bloomberg. Yes, we all we all got to laugh at him. Um, he was terrible in every response, completely unprepared, just looked awful. And Jeff, you you said something before that got me thinking about how you know he's this this billionaire who's not used to this, not prepped for it. And I think when you surround yourself as you have to, to become a billionaire with a lot of sycophants and yes-men, that to be called out in a public platform that way probably caught him off guard. And we laugh at that and say, "That's how is that possible? But I think, legitimately, he's never had to face a situation like that in his adult life. He's so used to everybody saying, yes, yes, Michael, yes, whatever you want, Mike. And to have someone just come right at him and she was standing next to him. She's at the podium next to him, and yeah. that had to be uncomfortable for him as well. But
1: I'll say um, yeah. John Lovett from uh, Cricket Media said it best. It looked like he had to check into a Howard Johnson, and they were like, "Hey, you got to make your waffle in the morning." And he yeah. was like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean?" Because uh, he used to stay at these you know five star hotels, everything's catered, and all of a sudden this guy's in the the line for the continental breakfast, yeah. and he's like, "I got to pour my waffle." Um, he Listen, I can't say this strongly enough. He is so bad for this. Um, he's not going anywhere because he's just going to outspend everybody. And even his attacks with Trump with the billboards, they're funny, but they're not good. This is not where we need to be. Um, I He needs to get the fuck out of this race. Um, he needs to stand up with what he said, that if he's not going to win this, he'll back the Democrats with money. Um, I don't believe him fucking word he said about that i don't I don't that trust that that's gonna happen um but he did not belong on that stage um bring back andrew yang in his spot put stiver up there i don't care uh, that was a disgrace and that's exactly what the republicans need they need huh. bloomberg up there looking like a moron but being viable
0: um uh, that was
1: really hurtful to us
0: you'll get your wish because styer has actually made the debate in south carolina he's gonna be back on the stage again but uh, you Good. also mentioned how Bloomberg you know, thought he was funny and mm. all of this. Have you seen the memes online? Like the Bloomberg campaign has gone out of their way to pay the meme lords of the world, like the fuck Jerry's of the world, just meme yep. creators or as we should call them, just content stealers to create viral content for the Bloomberg campaign. And they're all just it's, awkward, it's bad. awkward memes. No, I wouldn't even call them memes because videos. Yeah,
1: it's but, videos but and like watching.
0: screenshots of DMs where the Bloomberg campaign is like, hey, make me a cool meme, please. And the person says, why? And then he comes back with some non sequitur and they just post a screenshot of that and it says paid for by Michael Bloomberg. It's so cringeworthy. But I don't know. We're in this world where, I mean, Donald Trump's been saying it, you know, since the 80s. You know, that all publicity it's good publicity right so if his name's out there people start to think of him as successful and able to put his money out there and get his name out it it's clearly working with some people because he's polling pretty well nationally
1: before we get off him um i just want to say if he ended up ends up being the candidate we're in big trouble um trump will eviscerate him um trump for all his bullshit and everything we hate He's quick. He's witty. It's a lot of times mumbly and really hard to understand and maybe allegedly Adderall-ridden. But that Bloomberg's not standing on a stage with that guy. Um, it's just not. And Trump will eat him alive. I agree. Uh, that's really, really bad for us. He's not, he's not quick enough. I mean, if you, can't, if you can't see this jab coming, he's got no shot when the names start flying um, you know, we got a lot on Trump with the racism stuff, give Trump a hold of stop and frisk, um, and let him start making jokes about that. Uh, I do not want to see that come to fruition. That's really bad for our party.
0: Let's, uh, before we move off this topic, I think Jeff, I already know where you stand on this. Your, your opinion hasn't changed. You're still a Pete guy through and through.
1: Um, I mean, I see the, I see the Hills gotten taller. Um, okay. and I understand that. And, you know, like I said, I, actually sat down and started writing my little tribute to him and how far he's come and was ready to say, uh, Bernie for life. <laughs> um, but then I started doing more research on how early we were and I'm not quite ready to go there yet. Um, okay. I do think the Hill's really tall. Um, I do think he's number three in this right now though. And I think the, what we've seen so far is, is you know, uh, showing that, um, I think he's close. He hung with Biden right behind Biden in Nevada which actually surprised me, um, because if you look at where Pete spent his money and focused his efforts, Nevada was not one of those places. He was there, uh, but not to the extent he was in Iowa or New Hampshire. And uh, his showing there was good. Um, so I'm going to hang in there a little bit longer. I do recognize the Hill, though. I'm not I'm not okay. blind to that. Um, but I do think that the others that are in this need to go. Uh, Klobuchar on down, bye. Uh, yeah. Sorry.
0: Uh, Yuggs. This has changed your opinion. Who's your front runner right now?
1: I've fallen
2: into the Bernie front runner, runner you know, bandwagon. On I just, mode, huh? Well, I'm not on the, I don't want it. I just think if you're asking me who the front runner is. I, I mean, it's, that's, Bernie, 100%. it's Bernie. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I think he's as long as like what Jeff said, as long as these other people are in the race, Bernie's the Bernie's going to be hard to beat. And that's the bottom line. I think, um, Bloomberg's got to get out tonight he won't obviously and I hope like going back to him I hope Jeff's wrong and he does spend his money but you know he does. He at least should do that for putting us through all this shit uh, but every, everybody at the end of this week I get it no one will because everyone's going to go through South Carolina and do all that but honestly if people want to beat Bernie they have to get out after South Carolina they have to because the vote is just too fractured it's too split because the people that like Bernie, either they're going to be Bernie or maybe they're going to vote Warren, right? But the other people, they're looking for a moderate that they can support and that they think they can, that can win or maybe they have policies that they like. And those are still going to be split. And with you know Biden, people taking a look elsewhere, it's made everybody else get votes. Pete, Biden, Klobuchar. I think Warren does get some moderate votes too. I don't think it's all just liberals voting for Warren. She's a good, great politician. I think she's good at attracting um, different types of voters. But I honestly think this thing's got to get whittled down to the three that Jeff – the three or four that Jeff just talked about, yeah. right, literally at the end of South Carolina.
1: Yes. Um, so, how about you, Kevin?
0: So to touch on something Yogg's just said there about uh, the Biden people, like where they're going to go if, if he's no longer a viable candidate, I don't think a lot of them are going to Bernie, right? So no, no. So if, if electability was their argument for going pro-Biden – a lot of them are not going to see a democratic socialist as electable, and the like. He's a
2: non-starter just based on that. The and, interesting thing, guys, would be if if the, let's say everybody you know fizzles out, Biden has a poor showing. If it's Bernie and Warren who are the two biggest percentage uh, people right now in the polls, right? I, I think Bernie's one and Warren's surge number two, you know, popularity wise.
0: In the latest national poll. Yeah,
2: in the latest national poll. I think there's a lot of people that if they think every other moderate's out, they'd rather Warren than Bernie, just because she's not as extreme in their eyes.
0: Yeah, there's some calculus um, there that could lead yeah. to her getting enough delegates. It's going to be very yeah. interesting.
1: That's the that's where only past
0: each other. Hey, and...
1: Kevin, before you give your front runner, let's discuss the Warren problem real quick. You know, she was not even mentioned in some of these polls before she hit Bloomberg, and she had her big viral moment. Um, I'm going to go back to something, you know, we've had Dennis on here a few times and we, we talked about this, that, you know, our, my concern and and he echoed this, I think we talked about it was she came out so strong, seems like seven years ago with all these policies. Right. And she hasn't had anything new to give, um, which has let her really lag behind. She got her big viral moment by just (laughs) taking Bloomberg's soul on stage, but, Other than her doing that, there was nothing new there. Um, She got her name back in the poll. She got her name back in the news. People were Googling her again. But there was no new reason to get behind her if you weren't a week before that. Just because – I mean unless you're just saying she'll do that to Trump on stage and that's what I'm going to vote for. But that's pretty weak. Um, I I, Well, two things. I'm worried about her stealing.
0: So two things. The – there is an argument to be made about people who will see what she said to Bloomberg and say, OK, now I think she can go toe to toe with Trump, because that's what gave Amy Klobuchar a boost in the polls is when she attacked Pete. And they said, oh, look, she's got some backbone. And I think that really boosted her after the, uh, the not in Vegas, the debate before that. Um, so that that's point number one. But I'm calling bullshit on the argument that she dropped too many plans early. I mean, she just dropped a legalization of marijuana plan over this past weekend that's brand new. So she's been consistently rolling them out. I don't think it really matters, though, because unfortunately, I don't think the average voter knows what any of these candidates' plans are. I think people that are political junkies like us will go and read what these mean. Um, One of the things that that I found attractive about Warren early was that she was able to distill a lot of her plans down to a soundbite that you could talk about on The View. And that's really good at getting your message out there. Like, her wealth tax, a two-cent tax, that's a very easy argument to make to the general public and something that will stick in their minds. So I'm not really buying the argument that she...
1: But no one's one's talking about that now. (laughs) It's...
0: You know, we, 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 what policies are they talking about, though? Like, what Pete policy are they talking about? What Biden right, policy but, are they talking
1: about? But here's the thing. Well, here's, here's where I'll disagree with you. Warren's big thing was have all this other stuff, all these ideals, but here's exactly what I'm going to implement when I get this nomination, when I get the presidency. That was her, that was her bread and butter. That was her ticket in. Like, this is – listen, you can say all these great things, these ideals you have, how we're going to take back Washington, blah, blah. Here is – the first day I'm going to do this. And the first 30 days I'm going to do this. Six days I'm going to do this. She just did it so early that that we're in a new cycle now. It's so fast, right? If she flips that over and right now she's like, maybe I'm not pulling great, but in my first 30 days I'm doing this. And now it's on the view as a soundbite while we're actually voting. I think that would have done her a lot better than, hey, remember six months ago when I said, two cent wealth tax. And I know there's new things coming out and you're completely right. I'm just talking about how we're digesting this news now, right? We've, we've heard, I mean, we don't remember what happened last week because there's so much comes out. But I'm just saying. Point, had- yeah. to
0: that point, everyone, you know, people don't remember what happened last week, unfortunately. And yeah. she could literally just roll out the exact same plan a second time. And people, well, then think she should, brand new. she should, she should. I'm sure she might at some point because the counter arguments that, I'm not sure i buy this, but just to play devil's advocate would be she's not where she is today if she did not roll those plans out and differentiate herself early.
1: But agree that she's in a lesser spot than she was four months ago. If four you asked months- me
0: that question a week ago, I would have said yes. I'm not. It remains to be seen now after. She uh, got a Vegas spike. And
2: Nevada. She- yeah. One thing that we can't say it's early for everybody else, but it's not early for Warren, though. I mean, that sounds reverse.
1: Guys, I think we can. I think we just said it's not early for the guys that are going to be in this and saying guys, not meaning the men, but the ones that we think are actually going to be here. It's early for them. Um, it's not early for Amy Klobuchar right now. It's, right. it's go time or she's a big, she should get out. Um, it's not early for Steyer. Um, he better have the best showing of his life on this debate stage. Um, best, Steyer I think was, that's uh, two years ago when he announced his candidacy. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's the line of demarcation here. Early for some people and really late for others. Would you agree?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this next eight days or seven, eight days is going to be very telling. So I'm very interested to see what kind of conversation we're having
2: next week at this time. (laughs) Well, you know what will be big in the next week, as I read about this earlier today? So Bloomberg's now shifting his attention to Bernie and he's going to move a massive uh, media blitz on him, um, which matters nothing for Bloomberg. But I wonder if that helps other Democrats out there. If It probably does. Because maybe if he just does it out of spite, maybe he knows he's finished. And he's like, look, I may not win this thing, but I don't want Bernie Sanders to win this thing. So I'm just going to go all in on this guy for the next two weeks. Um, that'll be interesting to watch. And
0: Could also, Bloomberg know... have just given, like, for the amount of money he's spending, couldn't he have just given every American, like, 100
1: bucks each? And just, <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> <laughs> call it a day? <laughs> vote for me to buy the vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have the to debate um, tomorrow, and it's whenever you guys are hearing this, but on um, the 25th. And, uh, you know, we'll get back together and talk about what happens on that stage.
0: Yeah. Last episode before our hiatus, we had just covered the acquittal of Trump in the Senate during the impeachment trial. So let's briefly talk about, you know, how's that going in Trump
2: world? Uh,
0: what's that led to?
2: The, the revenge Fox. of... What, what's the second... <laughs> <laughs> the revenge of... Uh... Yeah, re-
0: revenge of Trump or the revenge
2: or, yeah. of Trump. Here he comes now firing everybody that was uh, against him. It's it's uh, uh, it's. I didn't see that coming. I don't know if you guys did. Um, I thought the acquittal would embolden him to be like, "Hey, I'm free now, and I can go do my campaigning and work on this." And I don't. It's one less thing for him to worry about. I didn't see him doing a mass purge of people of the law. Yeah. And of all these other things, so brazenly, like, literally a week, if he did this maybe, like, in July, I'd be like, Okay. he didn't even wait two weeks.
0: Yeah, let's dive into that, Yogg. So this is Trump post-acquittal just giving zero fucks anymore because he's been unchained, unleashed, and emboldened by his acquittal and feels like anything he does is justified now at this point. And he knows he's got Republicans in Congress who are going to just rubber stamp every decision he makes. Yeah. So – He's gone out of his way to dismiss intelligence community officials that give him news he doesn't like. He's gone out of his way to get involved in court cases via tweet, like the Roger Stone trial, which is interfering with Department of Justice business, so much so that prosecutors resigned in protest due to the president's interference with it. He's putting together, or his people are putting together a list of loyal and disloyal government officials, because that's they want scary. to just yeah right like that should terrify everybody. He wants to fire anyone that's not loyal to him, because it's all about him. He doesn't mm. gather that there might be people that are here to serve the country and not mm. here at his own personal whim to serve him.
2: Yeah. And it's not even the the rubber stamping of the Republicans. Some of them just don't say anything. They're silent. They just go away. You never hear from them. They never have to be asked the question, hey, what do you think about this that's going on? And I think at this point the four or five quote-unquote moderates that are there, the Susan Collinses and Murkowskis of the world, I think he's basically just saying fuck you guys because guess what? You You don't have the spine to do anything to me anyway, and now you guys don't matter, so I don't care. I don't care what any moderate thinks.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but the ones that do actually speak up and do get challenged by reporters bend over backwards to support him. And, yeah. like, Lindsey Graham is still doing somersaults backwards. I, I will be endlessly fascinated. I would pay any amount of money to figure out what kind of dirt there is on Lindsey Graham that's no. caused Weird. him to just lose his spine so, so dramatically.
1: We're absolutely getting a sneak peek into what the next four years is going to be like if he gets reelected. Um, oh. And what te- what scares me is, is he's going so hard at it—the pardons, everything else, the the lists—that I think he really looks at what a clusterfuck this Democratic leadoff has been into this. I don't think he's scared. I think he's like. I mean, first of all, we're eating each other alive. The focus, I don't even think there was, well, two questions about him in that entire fucking debate. I mean, everybody's just beating each other to death. And, you know, meanwhile, he's just running on a beta, just doing whatever he wants without anybody calling him on it. And if you think it's going to get better in the next four years, if he gets reluctant, it's going to get a million times worse. Um, He's literally now, he stopped dipping his toe in the water on just – absolute corruption now he's like well you tried me on it you had me dead to rights nothing got done so guess what i'm fucking cannonballing into this shit
0: and and Um, no clearer place to see that than the pardons that you just mentioned i didn't bring those up at the top of this segment like he, he issued 12 pardons and um and commuted some sentences one of which was for a former illinois uh governor who was literally selling a Senate seat to the highest bidder.
1: I'm like Craigslist.
0: And he was just taking bids. <laughs> like, hey, you want to be the next one? I get to appoint him because Barack Obama became president, which vacated his Senate seat in Illinois. So the governor yep. gets to fill that until there's a special election. That is the, like, I, how, how do you explain corruption like beyond that? Like just point to that. That's like case in point. And Trump's like, nah, he's a good guy. Don't worry about it. Just let him go. Anderson Cooper had to actually go out and literally call bullshit on his show.
2: Yeah, he swore. People that, you know, if if he's on the wrong side of a decision, it's something was crooked. The jury was crooked. The judge was biased or it was some problem. Mm -hmm. But if he wins a lawsuit or something like that, Oh look, at, you know I was right. Like vindicated, all that, all that. I mean, I mean, there's nothing that happens that he doesn't have an excuse for, or that. But some of these, like you said, it, it's dangerous. I mean, you're blamed now. Judges, people that are on a jury got blamed for. I mean, these are civilians who went in there and did a civic duty, you know. And he's out here, and like the thing with the what happened with Bogoyevich and Anderson Cooper, he was. Cooper mentioned you're talking about prosecutors who are out here defending, you know. The law, they're out here putting people in prison. They're they're, they're chasing criminals. They're doing that and for you to you know besmirch their character just for your personal you know. So you want to say, hey, I wasn't guilty? That's straight out of the Trump playbook. You sit there and you besmirch other people's character to make yourself look like you didn't do anything.
0: Yep. Well, it's only going to get worse, unfortunately.
2: And can I ask you guys one quick thing about this whole uh, thing as well? Is one thing that I realize is. He fired Vindman, right, who had no reason to be fired and didn't even give him the dignity of, you know, having to leave a certain way, had him escort out of the White House. This is a this is a former war hero, you know, who took bullets for this country and basically testified against Trump in the impeachment trial. Exactly. Might not recognize the name. Right. But he also fired Vindman's brother who had nothing to do with this. Vinman's brother is an, is basically just fired for his last name being Vinman and related to the one that. Does. I mean, collateral any,
1: collateral damage, man.
2: Yeah, but th- let me ask you guys this: any other time in history, or any how big of a story without would, have like, that would been be impeachment in... worthy right there. Yeah, that'd be a gross abuse of power.
0: Like if if Barack Obama did the same thing, I hate to fall back on that, but I feel like we oh, have yeah. to every single time one of these things happen, it would be plastered over Fox News that Barack Obama is trying to shape. You know the intelligence community and ambassadorships and the entire yeah. in his image, yeah. Like it would yeah. just be wall to wall
2: coverage.
1: Well, guys, don't worry. Uh, Pelosi's looking into it. She thinks it's not on the up and up. Cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, now we know the the, the <laughs> bar for uh, getting impeached is you have to maybe murder someone. We don't know if that is uh, no. Crime
0: could, no, we decided that attempted said, crimes are not crimes. Oh forever. yeah, so
1: yeah. yeah. he can yeah. shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, and be fine. Yeah, He told us the playbook before he even got elected, and it's worked out
0: perfectly. Oh, he's been very clear about who he's been from day one, and he got voted into office in spite of that.
2: Yeah. Well, I think some people didn't believe it, or some people were like, yeah, it's just him being him. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, they show you who he they can, really
1: are. He cannot get another four years. He will be completely, utterly, truly above the right. law. There this will the most be ab- no... There will be no limit to what this man can do in those four years.
2: No. This is the most uh, important. everybody option. will
1: fall back on, look, he'll be out of office in a couple of years. We can't impeach him now. Just it's going to run its course. Like, it's this is so huge. Uh, it's it gets bigger every day. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we still can't tell who won Iowa. Uh, yeah. we're, it's not good. And
2: yeah, we're fighting amongst ourselves. Meanwhile, this is you know, there's the the bigger picture is getting lost. Absolutely. All right.
0: Let's move off uh, that particular aspect of Donald Trump because he is going to have a hand in another topic I want to bring up quickly. And uh, that's to do with our impending death by coronavirus. (laughs) uh, Sorry, that was overly dramatic. Um, It has been a pretty serious situation globally, though. Yeah, we've got something like 77,000 cases worldwide. Uh, About 2,500 people have died, unfortunately, of this. Now, there are conflicting reports about how severe this outbreak actually is because, you know, 50,000 people die a year from the flu. Right. So we're, we're not at that point yet. Um, and some arguments have been made that symptoms for younger people are relatively mild if you get the coronavirus. So they might not actually even go to a doctor and get their you know, number reported because they just stay home from work. They're good in a couple of days and, you know, back at it. So we'll, it remains to be seen exactly how serious of a problem this is. The reason I want to bring this up is because I, I hope it goes without saying for anyone that actually listens to this podcast, but stop being xenophobic, racist idiots to Chinese people, please. Like, yeah. uh, Too many stories about you know business being down in Chinatowns across the country because people won't go over there. People who won't get into Uber's. If there's a vaguely Asian-looking person driving it, cut the shit, guys. You're, you, you're better than this. It's, yeah. it's horrific to hear these kind of things. It has nothing to do with the Chinese people as a whole. No. It's so, so sad and embarrassing that we even have to bring this up as a topic.
2: Just Well, this, the second highest-rate country right now is Italy. I think there's over 100 cases in Italy now. So I'm worried we're going to avoid Italian people. I mean, yeah,
0: don't go yeah. to Little Italy, I guess. Yeah, don't go to Little Italy. Exactly. Yeah. That's you not know. what's going to happen, though, because, you know, it's not it has nothing to do with their exactly. of coronavirus. There's layers of racism. To yeah.
1: This. Can I quickly spin this back to the Trump administration and why this is a huge problem for us? Um, just so everybody remembers, in 2018, the Trump administration fired the entire app. Ap- entire pandemic response chain of command in the White House. They got rid of all of them. Um, They did not replace them. You know, news agencies have made numerous phone calls um, to this. The only response is confusion. Um, There's no chain of command on pandemic response right now in our government, period. It doesn't exist. There's no one leading it. There's no one in charge. There's no one game planning how to make sure this doesn't come here. Um, That's fucking terrifying. Uh, When I remember one of our first episodes a year were a year in, we talked about how many positions were left open in the white house. Remember we were just like, there's all these cabinet positions, all these places that people need to be placed. And it was just 140 open positions or whatever. Um, He fired all of these people and no one's replaced them. We do not have a response team for this.
2: Nope. And just as bad, I'll piggyback on that real quick, is I read an article today that basically said that Trump has told his advisors and everyone close to him that he didn't want the administration to do or say anything about coronavirus because it would spook the markets. And he's, he's worried about an outbreak could hurt his reelection bid. That's what he's thinking about. He's thinking about himself, again, the selfish you know prick that he is. But today the Dow dropped 1,000 points on coronavirus fears. So he had to say something about it. Because, you know, to him as a stock market, all that is, is you know, he thinks that's the thing. Um, but Jeff just made the best point. He's fired people whose job it is to be keeping us safe. He's done this in other things, too. Not just like in every different parts of government. He's gotten rid of the people that are supposed to be watchdogs, you know, help and and basically cut them out.
0: Yeah. And you, yeah. you bring up the Dow Jones uh, kind of taking a tumble off of coronavirus fears. You know that is the reasonable expectation and you know explanation for why it dropped, unless you're on Fox Business, oh, in which yeah. case they they blame that drop on uh, Bernie Sanders succeeding right. in Nevada. Oh, yes, because of course yes. they it. did.
2: And and Rush Limbaugh says this is a ploy to take Trump down. The whole virus.
0: Of course it is. How? It, and that guy is a the conspiracy a real, theories. Are my God, ridiculous. we didn't even get into that. <laughs> Uh (laughs) there's so much happened so much happened i'll tell you
1: we talk about positions being vacated the entire department part of defense that was in charge of you know making sure a 9-11 doesn't happen again that's all not manned either yeah they gutted Um, it yeah they gutted it because we've taken money from that and repurposed it for uh a structure along our southern border that's fucking irrelevant and um you know, it's it's really scary stuff. This is when it starts to get not like, God, this guy's so corrupt and he's golfing for a billion dollars. This is when it's scary, that money that's there to really protect us in a real way. Like somebody being there going, all right, pandemic, here's our response, here's where we're gonna put our assets. You know, let's make sure we're protected at these entry points and making sure we're screening people and making sure 9-11 doesn't happen again. Those kind of things are just vacated now. There's no one there. Um, and, you know, he's sowed so much discord in our intelligence community. Even if they were there, I don't know if it would matter. I don't know if people are listening. Um, it's nuts.
0: And if just looking back, Donald Trump is just so inept and hasn't surrounded himself with anyone that can deal with a situation of this magnitude. And If you look back at the Ebola outbreak, Fox News was constantly criticizing Obama about his responses to it and not taking it seriously enough. And meanwhile, right now we have Donald Trump, whose only concern about the coronavirus is that it might hurt his re-election chances. Like, go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. And this guy, just to, I really want to underscore how inept of a president this guy is. With some of his own words about the coronavirus. We have twice in the last two weeks, he has mentioned that when the weather gets warmer, the virus will weaken. He thinks that springtime just like kills off the flu. (laughs) And it is just batshit stupid. And this guy's our president. He has the world's best health officials at his fingertips. And this is the kind of nonsense he spews out to the public. It's mind blowing. This is from February 20th. Uh, <clears throat> this is from February 10th. He said, "Now the virus that we're talking about having to do, you know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat. As the heat comes in, typically that will go away in April. We're in great shape, though. Besides the fact that that sentence is just structurally unsound." and insane in typical Trump jazz fashion. I can't get over how dumb he is. He just thinks that, oh, just wait for the weather to warm up and it's going to just kill itself out here. That's
1: not Plus, how this it's, works. It's the same thing about all of his followers and him thinking that weather is the same as climate. I mean, it's it, it all falls into the same basket, right? It's all it's all the same. Hey, we're, we had heat in January. It was 70 degrees, so much for global warming or it snowed in April, Look at, no global warming. It's dumb, And but it works. He, he's playing, he's hitting all the cards.
2: And he said that multiple times. It wasn't like he said the heat thing maybe once. You're right. He has the best people at his disposal. What probably worries me is somebody probably pulled him aside, right? One of these officials them and them said, now. yep. He yes. doesn't get briefed. That's the bottom line. He doesn't get briefed. He doesn't listen. He just says and does what he wants.
0: It's pretty embarrassing. Let's raise a glass as we go into our next segment, and that's going to be our fake news of the week. Right. A little
1: different one for us.
0: Yeah, we're going to be hitting on some on a Democrat here, guys. So Friendly
1: fire. Friendly yeah. fire coming up.
0: Don't say we never did anything for the conservatives on this show. This week's fake news centers around Joe Biden. And no, it doesn't have anything to do with Hunter in the Ukraine, thankfully. <laughs> uh, this is a story of Joe's own making that he's told multiple times, uh, where he talks about in the 1970s, I believe 1977 to be exact, on a trip to South Africa to go see Nelson Mandela. And Joe's now said on a few occasions that during this trip to go see Nelson Mandela, that he and the U.S. uh, ambassador at the time got arrested in South Africa. Yeah, that's a very moving, like, story about the, you know, the terrors of uh, apartheid and all of that and, you know, what happens when you clamp down on free speech. Except we can't find any proof of this happening. (laughs) And to make it worse, Andrew Young, who is that U.S. official that was on the trip with Joe Biden, says it didn't happen. He said i didn't get arrested and i don't believe joe biden has either. now it's entirely possible this story might be true but like then again joe biden doesn't include this in his memoir that he wrote yeah that when he talks about his trip to too you think yeah. that'd be a very noteworthy event to include in your memoir yeah in 2007, i hate to be going all rush limbaugh on this but yeah this is <laughs> just, this is so fishy to me yeah
1: in 2007 he writes a memoir um, includes a lot of details. I haven't read it, so let's be fair. Um, but in my skimming through it, once this came up, he um, includes a lot of details about that trip. Uh, it's not like a quick blurb. That's a one paragraph. Hey, let's move on. He's um, pretty detailed on how important that trip was to him and just the way he thinks. And uh, this is not mentioned, brought up, alluded to um, in the snippets that I read. And again, I don't want to sit here and say that I'm an expert on this memoir, Um, so if something's in there and I'm wrong, please let us know. Um, but it really struck me. Like, you're going to sit there and write a memoir and leave being arrested over a huge situation out of it completely, not even allude to it. Um, and it sucks that earlier Yagas kind of came off as Biden defense, because I really was interested in his, uh, take on this.
2: I'll give you the take. He's he was doing what Trump does, make up stories, who cares? Nobody cares anyway. So Uh, I care. Uh, (laughs) oh yeah so, so <laughs> the ones that care they can go last <laughs> like trump would say go do whatever you want with that uh,
0: well i'll let you guys know uh this fact that i went out and i i bought the kindle version of that memoir earlier today so um,
1: okay uh, i'll keep you in the loop as i
0: as okay. i finish that
1: <laughs> do a dramatic reading for us on, yes. uh, yeah, uh, if joe biden is a narrator i'll do it come at me
0: joe
2: <laughs> All right, just, Joe, Joe's done a lot of quirky and weird things in, since he announced his candidacy. I'm not going to lie; I mean, I, I mean, I think maybe that's what's happening. I think if this was like four months ago, when everyone's picking on everything he did, uh, it'd be like a thing. But I think what's happened is he's kind of got that Trump thing going on, and we're like, ah, it's just Joe doing another stupid thing this week. Whatever. It's, Joe
1: Joe. <laughs> it's just Joe being Joe. I'll tell you, on the not funny side, I think this comes off as he's behind. Um, he's really desperate to prove out that his viability is with the minority vote. And this looks like, to me, a grab at that. I think it's my path to being elected here as a minority vote, right? He said it. I mean, he's literally said it. Hey, we've done Iowa, we've done New Hampshire. That does not represent the United States, it does not represent our diversity, and everybody that's going for me are in these next you know few states. And I think this was, and Kevin Yogg's told me if I'm off here. I think this was a really glad-handed attempt at being like, look at me, I uh, I've been arrested for this cause. I'm I'm on that side, and uh, that's not good.
0: Yeah, I mean that's it's a super cynical take, but doesn't mean yeah, it's
1: I mean, wrong. Hey, can't prove it wrong. Hey, okay? yeah. could be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we're getting to the close episode, so we wanna we talked about a lot of depressing things today so we want to bring our listeners up a little bit with some uplifting news and we've got a few stories for everybody number one of which has a lot of negative baggage attached to it but hopefully this outcome here will bring some closure and that's why we're including in our uplifting news portion of the pod and that is harvey weinstein was found guilty on two counts of sexual misconduct and he's going to face a maximum of 25 years in prison. We haven't seen the sentencing yet, so we kind of tempered the expectations here because he is, again, a super rich white guy. But just the fact that he was simply found guilty uh, actually caught me off guard. I was surprised. So I'm going to count this as a win for society and the justice system in
1: general. Yeah. Uh, he needs to die in jail.
2: Yeah. And he's got charges coming in L.A. as well, so that's he's, got, he's got a lot of – it's not like even if he gets a cheap sentence here, he's not out of the woods, so good. Yep. I know this is labeled uplifting,
0: so, I mean, it's it always feels kind of strange to take pleasure in someone else's uh, suffering, but I think it's warranted in this case.
1: If, if any of these women got something out of this, um, they're able to sleep a little better at night from what happened to them, uh, that's uplifting to me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, our next story – This is a really heartwarming one. I saw this on Twitter, and and Jeff, uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) nothing to be cynical about this one.
1: No, I'm gonna be cynical, and you know I'm going. Oh
0: God, no. Um, Pete Buttigieg had a rally this past weekend during which a young nine-year-old boy came out and said, "Asked for Pete's advice on how do you come out of the closet? How do you announce your gay to the world?" And it was kind of a, a touching moment that he felt comfortable doing that on the stage and. I think it says a lot about the fact that Pete Buttigieg is as far as he is as a openly gay man in U.S. politics. And I can't take that away from him or, you know, the the progress that society has made. So I really enjoyed this moment. I know, Jeff, you have something cynical to say about this. I, I, how do, now, I refuse to believe that.
1: <laughs> I thought it was huge. Um, I thought the way Pete handled it was incredible. And he basically told the kid, like, I've got nothing to tell you about bravery. The fact that you're standing up here doing this is one of the bravest things I've ever seen. Um, heartwarming moment, incredible for you see all these kids and all these stories, these kids getting bullied for this. And, you know, some kids taking their own lives because they're not comfortable. And, the you know, this was a great moment that we could see forward, hopefully. Um, you know, it also, you know, not to turn our good news into electability news, um, it terrified me. Um, Watching that, you know, I've lived in South Carolina, Um, I've lived in Florida Um, and I've been around people there and watching this happen just scared me on the conversations that are probably happening around this. Like, look what he's doing to the children Um, and not saying that that's a good thing. It's awful. Um, But we do know some of these states that don't necessarily um, because of religion or whatever reason stand behind, you know, children having this identity um you know coming out in the as gay or whatever um it, it worried me the spin on this and, and some of the places that he needs to do well um you know and that sucks it sucks to feel that way immediately like take a heartwarming moment and then go shit <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> this is not helping in Alabama." Um, So hopefully, you know, people are being more progressive and understanding how big of a deal this is for a lot of nine-year-olds across the country. Um, I'm a little cynical if that's what's going to come out of this, though. I'm a little nervous about it.
0: I think that cynicism is understandable, but they just got to keep chipping away little by little at it. Yeah. And then uh, next on our list of uplifting news, frequent flyer of our uplifting news section is former president Jimmy Carter. I feel like I include him here a lot. Jimmy... Uh, I think we maybe didn't know how good we had it. Uh, But Jimmy (laughs) Carter at his farm has put solar panels all across it at this point. Uh, He's become big into environmentalism in his older age. And now it powers half of his hometown, which I think is a pretty awesome thing for him to be doing. So I want to give a shout out again to Jimmy Carter for being one of the good ones out there. Yeah, he's probably we building had other a house. presidents
1: that want to do stuff like this. He's probably building a house for Habitat for Humanity as we speak. Guy's amazing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, and the last bullet point I'm going to throw in here, just because I thought this was fun. It's not political at all, but I'll include this. That, uh, a story from Carolina. Uh, so we had David Ayers. He's a 42-year-old man. Third-string goalie backup for the Carolina Hurricanes got called into a game on Saturday after the first... He's their Zamboni driver. Did you know that? He's their Zamboni (laughs) driver for the team who cleans the ice. And because their two main goaltenders got injured in the same game, they had to bring him in, and he got a win. He had eight saves, and it was just all around kind of an awesome moment that, you know, even as a Rangers fan, this actually hurt the Rangers in the standings with the Carolina Hurricanes winning. I couldn't be happier. It's kind of a, a really cool story.
1: First ever win an NHL history for a, um, an emergency goalie. Um, Perfect. and if you guys aren't familiar with the NHL, they will literally bring up somebody that plays in rec league hockey sometimes to be an emergency goalie. And they just sit there and they should never go into action. Um, sometimes it's a, a college kid. Um, that's on a team. Um, it's a really a weird thing in just hockey. Like you would never have a guy come out of the stands for the Mets and try to get a save. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's specifically the hockey that this happens. Salute to that guy. Pretty cool story. Yeah.
0: One of the things I love about that sport. So I want to make sure we got some time to include it here. All right. Well, that brings us to the close of our episode. Yogs, Thanks again for joining us. been a pleasure to bring you in to the start off season two and kick it off. Right.
2: Thanks. was always great. always great to be on.
0: And Jeff, again, great to be back here, getting this on the regular. We will start pumping out episodes back on a more uh, routine schedule. I know we've been pretty inconsistent over the last uh, month and a half or so. But we're back. We'll be better than ever. going to have some good guests coming up. And I'm really looking forward to sitting on mic, talking politics, and checking out the local beers of my new hometowns
1: i'm gonna um I'm gonna hold our feet to the fire here. I think we owe the people a uh bonus episode this week after the debates, and I think uh, we're gonna make that happen uh, i think as a as a a nice gift after we've left you hanging a little bit, we're gonna make that happen this week.
0: excellent well, now you said it, so now we have to so <laughs> That's it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at drinking underscore Also check out our website at www.drinkingliberlypod.com. Again, truly appreciate everyone that listens, and we'll talk to you all next week. Cheers. Cheers.